Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Just assume the green ones were on, but yeah, that doesn't make any sense. There's not enough. Yeah, there's like 50 green ones, right? Yeah, 50 being eight, but yeah. <laughs> and right now we have five, ten hot mics, and three voices. Why do we have five mics? Because I got to record over the other guys from last week, so we oh. don't hear their phantom voices later on. Although really? that might make for an interesting podcast and a lot of weird wow. interruptions. Just random stuff coming in yes. the middle of it. Yeah. Interesting. Random stuff for la- <laughs> Matt just with a random profanity. That's funny. Wow. That's also kind of cool. We, we've had that happen a few times. Yeah. We, we've had ghost voices in past podcasts. Ooh. Yeah. It's. I kind of want to hear that. Usually, I catch it right when we're starting because mm-hmm. usually it's after one of the times we have like Steve here, right, like, right, like eight voices going on at once. And so I forget that I'm to record over those. But you only have to record, re-record it over that one time. So right, like, just just to blank it out. Right. Uh, but I'll forget, and it'll just play through. And then we're talking, and all of a sudden, my, back when I was the only one wearing headphones, it'd be like, oh, yeah, there's Phantom Voice. i got to start this over. So if you were That's to fine. press one of the buttons for somebody who's not here right now, yeah. who knows yeah. what we'll get? Ooh. Matt going, fuck! You or can't Jeff's shut it. button, you might get some. As interesting as this is to people listening, the... Uh, <laughs> If I, it won't let me shut off one of the hot buttons in the oh, middle of recording. Okay, okay, interesting. That's a safety feature. That's that's an anti Andy feature. Yeah, yeah. Keep things like that from happening. Keep me from pressing buttons randomly. Yes. Or welcome mm, to Geek Shock number you know, oh four you know, hundred twenty four. <laughs> I am Master Torgo with your engineering lesson of the day. Yeah, Commander K. Fact check, Dandy. And that's it. That's all we have. That's now. it. There's we fired the yeah. other two. Right? No, come well, on. Let's be honest. Holding us back. honestly. I doesn't surprise me at all that Matt took the Tide Pod, the Tide Pod challenge, but I was surprised Jeff did. <laughs> well, Rest I th- in peace. I thought it was ice getting really, really hardcore mm. on the Canadians. So there you go, pretty good. So no, no guarantee. I don't want to be back next week. Yeah, they're not Iceland or what is it? What was it? Norway? What the hell was he? What the hell was Trump saying? We should get people from? Oh, Norway. Norway. Oh, it was Norway. From Norway. It was Norway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the one country that really has no interest right. in immigrating anywhere. <laughs> we don't want to go there. No, thank you. Those guys don't even want to go to Switzerland. Right. <laughs> Wait, that's a long way away. Sweden. No, Switzerland. Oh, why? Because that's one of the best places. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Oh, good. Thank you. I got you. Figured yeah. out eventually. All right. Talk I, about. I just found you. I was I just, confused. No, no, no. I no. just found your NPR show, Andy. Yeah. Instead of wait, wait, don't tell me. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> it's like people start telling stories. Yeah, yeah I got you. I got you. Stop there. <laughs> and then there was this time. Yeah, and I, I will explain my confusion because for years I confused Switzerland and Sweden until I went to Switzerland, and now I know where it is. We were talking social safety nets, but that's all right. Right. Yeah. Oh, social safety nets. Uh, I paid my uh, my Obamacare today, so I have another month of uh, $600 deductible health care. Hey! I applied for Obamacare, and they said, you're so poor, you should go for Medicaid. So then I applied for Medicaid, and I got a part-time job, and they said, hey, you make too much money now. Apply back for Obamacare. So I got Medicaid until tomorrow. Okay, so 
You say you're going to go to the doctor tonight, then? I no. I mean, <laughs> okay. it, it, when February starts, I am uninsured again. Oh, joys! Yeah. But other than that, what geeky things did you do this oh, week, gentlemen? Yeah. Uh, well, it's the, not geeky. It's to not be geeky uninsured. at all. Yeah, my biggest thing was, no, you know, I got a visit uh, from uh, John Bean Hastings, and we hung around and did some pinball hall of fame. Who's this? Awesome. What, what John Bean Hastings? Who's the, this fellow? Uh, He's yeah. an old friend of mine. I've known him for 25 years. We've uh, worked on comic projects together. Have I heard of him? Yeah, you've, I think you met him once or yeah, twice. I think I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went so, to Crown and Anchor together. It yeah. was a great gathering. Jamie joined us. Yeah. We had Paulette whole, we had was the, there. Paulette was made a rare appearance. That was hilarious, too, when John like told Paulette, you 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 know he they're like introducing each other and he's like you get mentioned on the cast a lot and she looks at matt and matt's like uh, uh. <laughs> i also like john making sure that paulette was not just paul and drag that was funny <laughs> that paulette was great moment. you know i never ever fucking thought of that i, I never ever thought of that but yep. he was just like paulette mythical character yeah and John, a huge Disney file, so I was just enraptured by his right. John, John and Jamie bonded deeply oh and God. got in some serious, deep, 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 deep Disney geek. I was happy to be in that court. Yeah. Very happy. Yeah, and that, that one of the few cases where in the XD, the D actually stood for Disney. Yeah, yeah. it was weird. Yeah. It was very extra Disney. <laughs> what other geeky things you do this week? Uh, now, Andy... Uh, I guess we should have a weekly segment. What did Kirsten forget this week? Ah, oh, I thought um, we were going to say what did you share, what, what moment did we share that I that right, we didn't share exactly. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a few days ago that we watched Ash versus Evil Dead, right? Oh yeah, that was like great. All first season, second no, season, no, we, no, four or five episodes. Yeah, yeah four or five. Yeah. I was considering moving in. I made a it different decision, but is delightful. It is just as good as you think it's going to be. It's better. I, I don't. I've seen the first episode. I really enjoyed it, and I don't know why I haven't just dived in both feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have Ash comic books. Yeah. I've loved the Evil Dead series. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things that's like I want to save this for when I need it. Right, right. That kind it's of your, thing. It's your, your, your life preserver. Your, yeah, uh, yeah. It's one in of those, case of emergency, break glass. Right. It's kind of like Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. You know, was was unread on purpose for ages, and so I was like. Fuck, this is stupid. Yep. Let's finally read this thing. Because the movie pushed it. So Ashes versus Evil Dead is kind of the same thing. I look at it because I have it on the shelf. It's now on Netflix. It's mm-hmm. everywhere for me to get. But I make other decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's it, it fun- is delightful. The tongue is firmly in cheek. It is, uh, yeah. just Made a- in the, the style of the movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, very reminiscent of that. So A lot of really stupid jokes. A lot of. Yeah, just wonderful, Probably. and 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 a lot of a lot of funny, stupid Ash did. <laughs> Ash did something stupid. Ah, yes. Uh, I, I, my my one of my favorite lines is when he's like talk about, and then we'll go get some some what do you do some some churros, and he turns to the guy who's next to him who's Latino of some sort, and he goes, not because of a racist thing, but just because churros are a delicious dessert. And he goes, you know, I'm not Mexican, right? <laughs> and he claps him on the shoulder. Good job. <laughs> That's right. Good job. Oh yeah, it was just, it just It's Honduran, right? Yeah. Yeah, Honduran. There was in early pre production before it got scuttled, Ash versus Jason versus Freddy. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that would have been great. Uh, well that was turned into a comic book and I can't recommend it enough. It's really good. I'm sad that was never done. Mm. That's a fun, fun story. 
So I recommend that to anybody out there who loves the Ash and have, hasn't read that series. Nice. Uh, the other uh, Ash comic books, uh, some are better than others, but that one's great. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, what? What? I can no longer claim that I have not seen The Last Starfighter. Oh, you finally uh-huh. saw The Last Starfighter? I finally, last night, I finally watched The Last Starfighter. And? Andy, I know where you're coming from now when you say you don't connect to the Goonies. Yes. Ah. Don't connect to that. <laughs> really? Yes. Ah. Oh, man. It's, it's, I, I think it's if I had grown up with it, if I'd yeah. seen it when I was young, I think that would have really stayed with me and resonated with me. It didn't. Uh, wow. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. Don't get me wrong, but it really didn't affect me either emotionally or didn't really engage me when it yeah. comes down to yeah, it. Like you're, I, I was probably the right age. I was probably that perfect age. Like I kind of kind of need to watch it again. I fully get it. And and Jeff came in uh, about when I was three quarters away through, and he's like, "Oh, you're finally watching this." He ran mm. to his room, put his stuff away, ran back out oh. to sit next to me for the last. You know, 20 minutes of I it. I thought he was going to come out with his yep. nice Starfighter helmet. <laughs> right. That would have been amazing. Yep. And he's like, well, what'd you think? I'm like, I don't want to disappoint you, but I it's... think that's Robert Preston's last movie, too, if I it remember is. right. Yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. I, I This is something not some people might not know, but I've recognized right away. Uh, films directed by Nick Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Castle is the face of The Shape. The Shape being... Michael Myers from Halloween 1. Oh. That one scene in the original Halloween where Jamie Lee Curtis rips off the mask of Michael Myers and you see Jason's face, mm-hmm. that's Nick Castle. Oh. And when I was seeing the the pre-production stuff, because I have the Blu-ray for Starfighter, so, mm-hmm. you know, so it has the, the making of and all that. Mm-hmm. And I saw the first shot of young Nick Castle directing this movie. I'm like, shit, that's Michael Myers. All right. And and so that was just like oh I'm I I, I connected to that yeah <laughs> then the okay. film um, I watched finally um, uh, what did I watch Kay um, uh, um, well, I tell you what why are you thinking of that no, no, still, no, still a few more things I want to say about Starfighter oh, yeah, okay. I'm not done yet okay sorry uh, of course Starfighter being the first computer graphics movie that. Was it was the first one to ever use computer graphics, but to use it, it was that the first one to use it. The first one's like young Sherlock Holmes, and it's and it's like like two seconds. Yeah, and it's, and it's a, that's a great scene. Actually, I love that scene in yeah. Young Sherlock Holmes. But uh, Tron beat it because Tron, the light cycles are computer graphic. Um, the rest of the scenes are all now. I'm wondering know, if which comes hand drawn. I gotta but, look it up. But tr- light cycles beats. Yeah. It's those. I think that the one from Young Sherlock Holmes is the first CG character. Ah, okay. Ever. Yeah. That makes sense. But the the weird thing in watching this, because the juxtaposition between the live and the animated parts of Last Starfighter are so jarring. Mm-hmm. But what's weird is they're jarring in the same way as the really bad sci-fi channel movies of the late 90s, early aughts mm-hmm. were. The special effects are about on that par. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kept flashing back to those. Hmm. So, I mean, at the time, it must have been amazing, sure. But in watching it now, those space scenes are just slow and puttery. Wow. <laughs> and just there, there's... 
just no tension in any of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll rewatch it and check and see what I think of it. But one part I really did like in Starfighter, I liked the part where it had the, with the beta down, back down in Earth, the replacement robot for sure. the Starfighter, so that no one knows that he's missing, mm-hmm. and it doing its little uh, fish out of water comedy in the trailer park. That I I really liked. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, especially concerning the little brother. So. I, I, I guess I connected to that. <laughs> now, now I, I, I kind of want to rewatch it again, and I, I, and I, I suspect you're, you're right. I'll, I'll, see, I'll think the same thing about the animation, but I know that everything with Robert Preston is going to sing for me. I love Preston. Oh, Preston is great in it, it's, yeah. and, he, and he's and he's calling back his character a bit from Music Man. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the fast talking mm-hmm. con man. Yeah, he's fun. He's a lot of fun. It's a great last movie for him, really, for as far as him getting to play. You know use those muscles again sure and you can tell he's loving it he's having a good time with yeah. it and the creature effects are fun and it's and the space opera stuff is over the top and cheesy but it's meant to be mm-hmm. and so I, i'm not saying i didn't like it it just didn't speak to me so i understand those of you out here's like goonies i don't understand how it attaches itself to it yeah, yeah that's think, yeah i get it now i absolutely get it cool okay that's all i have to say all right pacific rim finally saw pacific rim i still haven't seen that yeah what's your thoughts on pacific rim i really enjoyed it it. i i enjoyed it a lot i really thought it was a lot of fun i do understand exactly what paul hates about it uh it does uh it it is very standard it is very uh save the cat textbook stuff and I'm, i'm sure you know with his love of the Source material was supposed to be based on that uh, must have driven him nuts. That I, I it think wasn't that's it. really it. That's it, a lot of it. Is that it's he acts like it's the worst movie ever. He, it's a he good hates movie. it because it's not Evangelion, right? And he loves Evangelion so much and wants it to be Evangelion so much, and right. it isn't that it just there's no reconciling it. Yeah. And what do we see? The 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 Pacific Room Two comes out like what a month or so, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I like so. the previews for that one. Yeah. I might see that one before I see the first one. Oh, that'd be weird. No, you should see. It. You have it, don't you? Nope. Oh, we have. It. We can lend. We can lend it to you. Uh, I, I, DVD, Netflix. I can ref. I can rectify this anytime. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, enjoyed it. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, love the uh, love the uh, robots. Love the uh, they 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 looked completely believable to me. Living in real space and all, as opposed to Blast Starfighter. Clearly. Um, <laughs> Um, love the variations of the the robots. So the variations of how they were, the different robots were run. They all need to be run by two people, but the the teams were different enough. They're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And there was a lot more to the non-robot stuff than I expected. So it was, yeah, very cool. A lot more. Yeah, good world building. You like the world it created. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I like the I mean. Spoiler alert! It happens in the first ten minutes, but they uh, they attempt to build a wall to keep <laughs> to keep the the Gundam out, and it doesn't work. Kaiju, kaiju. So you, Gundam are the robot guys, right? Yes, Mecha, Mecha. Wait, or the what's Jaeger. a Gundam then? They're Jaegers in, the, in, the, in the movie. What's a Gundam then? Gundam is also kind of Mecha-ish. Okay, it is, it's, but it's a very specific one too. Oh, a certain a, Japan. Okay, I'm I'm doing Kleenex and facial tissue right now. I got gotcha. you. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. It's a Voltron. <laughs> it's a Shogun warrior. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the thing Bean was talking about. Was we went to, we went to we I took him on kind of a nerdy tour. Uh, we went to the the toy store down there on Fremont Street. The Rogue uh, Toys or no the Toy, the toy Shack. shack. Okay. Yeah. 
And uh, he, he was looking for a Shogun Warriors because apparently he had most of those as a kid. Oh. Uh, which were like three feet tall or so. There were these giant robot things that were. Yeah. Hot. Yeah. I've got two of those. Nice. Mazinger and Radin. Still? Yeah. Nice. I don't Did like you find any? No, there weren't either. Oh, okay. I think we might have seen one there last time we were there. But but there, yeah, the, the Boba Fett is, uh, there's a Boba Fett Shogun Warrior. Is there? That got released. Wow. Like, it just happens to look I, like or it was I, made to look no, like? No, no, it's made. It's a license. Boba oh. Fett Shogun Warrior. Huh. I think that just came out. Okay, this is not going back to no, the no, 80s. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, we went to the, uh, uh, there's an axe throwing place down there at Neonopolis now. Wait, there's an axe throwing place at Neonopolis. Yes, the second axe throwing place in town. All right, yeah. second. Yeah, the other one's Axe Monkeys. Well, right the around. first one, the insurance broke after. No, Andy the Axe, axe Monkeys <laughs> is right around here somewhere. It's actually, I think it's on Pecos somewhere. Axe Monkeys. Yes, Axe Monkeys. Yeah, that sounds like a division of our fans. It does, doesn't it? Does. it? They're either the musicians or the axe throwers. <laughs> exactly. I, and I haven't been to Axe Monkeys in a while, so I don't know if they've they've expanded this stuff too. But the one downtown, which is axe hole um I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't i can't uh, they have throwing knives and double and double headed axes and spears spears yes i might be down for some spear yeah. throwing so that sounds fun yeah neonopolis seems like an odd place to do it though x, x monkeys they do it outside they they no no it's a, it's a, i thought it's a i thought it was an outdoor place. no it's a oh, okay yeah um yeah, so the rest of the tour was we went to Neonopolis. We went to, uh, um, I took him to Evil Pie. Okay. Evil Knievel uh, Pizza. Yep. And uh, took him to uh, Pinball Hall of Fame. Awesome. And I can't remember the name of the store there, the collectible store there the um, in, next to Pinball Hall of Fame. Nerdgasm. Nerdgasm, thank you. And then I took him into uh, Gamer's Paradise quickly just to show him the, the museum of old gaming systems up along the top of the It's roof. pretty nice. I've, I've actually... Tried to make offers on some of the stuff up in the. He won't upper, sell that. Nope. No. On the old D and D books and board games, mainly yeah. is what I've tried to offer on him. But yeah, he's not letting that stuff go. No, no, no. Have the Donkey Kong board game. That'd be nice. Wow, there's a Donkey Kong board game. Wow. Yes. Oh, there was a whole slew of them. Wow. That one, Cubert. I think Frogger had one. I know Pac Man had one. I had that one. Hmm. But yeah, the whole. I think Parker Brothers made a whole arcade set. Wow. Maybe even a centipede one, but I'm not positive about the centipede one. But yeah, Parker Brothers made some board games, and of course could be wrong with the company name, but those board games existed. Yep. And probably weren't all that fun, but I still would mind yeah. playing them. <laughs> Pac-Man was, you, you had little plastic Pac-Man. Okay. And the board looked like the Pac-Man board, mm-hmm. but there were marbles around it. White marbles for the dots, yellow marbles for the power pellets. Mm-hmm. And then the ghosts moved on their own as far as randomly how, how they were supposed to move, like by dice or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the Pac-Men were these. Uh, they kind of look. The hand gestures are driving me crazy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to describe it. Uh, they look like a thick cus- cuts of cucumber. Mm-hmm. All right, or maybe a squash. So they're little cylinders, mm-hmm. but the thin ones. And they kind of were etched with a Pac-Man in there. They had a hingeable jaw mm-hmm. and a hole that was that's supposed to scoop up the ball with the hingeable jaw. And you press down on the marble, and it was supposed to eat the marble up into the cylindrical Pac-Man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing from your use of supposed to, they didn't work very well. No, they worked terribly. Okay. The, the balls would just 
fall out the moment you open the mouth up again. So it's slow motion, hungry, hungry hippo. Yeah, well, I think we mostly like pick the dots up with our hands and yeah. put a little pile beside us yeah. because whoever ate the most dots on the board was the winner. Sure. So it, I don't remember it being much fun, but the little cylindrical Pac-Man looked cool mm-hmm. in their own way. Could have used a good paint job, though, now that I'm thinking back on it. All right. Don't think back too hard. Oh, trust me. (laughs) I'm about about there. What else, Geeky, did you do this week, gentlemen? Uh, I was busy. I've been stupidly busy. I I, uh, I went to a meeting today for a new project I'm working on. I'm doing uh, props for a horror movie that films in 10 days. Ah, terrific. A short horror film, full length? Full length. Feature length film. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, By the same guys? Uh, They're... The Light Forge is doing the the production on it and shooting it and all, but it's somebody else's film, so they're basically ah. they're really hired to shoot it and hired guns. Yep. Is and it I, is it like a slasher pick, supernatural, ghost? What kind of horror movie it is, is it? Um, as much as you're allowed of to talk the, about? I guess kind of the hills have eyes with a military bent. It's a oh. mill. It's a bunch of uh, National Guard guys on a on a uh, millbillies. Yes, millbillies. Hey, you on a uh, um. On a maneuver, they're doing a uh, you know weekend maneuver you know thing, and and stuff goes bad with strange people in the desert. Oh, yeah, so. nothing but strange people in the desert. That's yeah. perfect. That's, that's like a hills have eyes, southern. That's exactly what like hills hills have the eyes, hills have eyes with military. <laughs> hills, hills, hills have, have the, the eyes. eyes. Hills have the eyes. The eyes <laughs> have hills. <laughs> it's all hill elves. All, all in favor, all say hills coming in. <laughs> what a bumpy road. Yeah, I watched Unforgiven. Did you? That's right. Now you did. the Unforgiven, the 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 cowboy the, western. Yes. Oh, okay. Now, how is that geeky? You might ask. Todd. I'll ask. How was that geeky? Thank you, Andy. God, Todd, really? I just had to think about it for a second. It yeah. Just left me hanging there. <clears throat> um. Jay and Miles explained the X Men. Right. For a while, they went on hiatus, and so Miles did. Um, I mentioned this, uh, the uh, the Storm and the Thunder, which was a short podcast he did to talk about Walt Simonson's run mm-hmm. on Thor. <clears throat> the run ended just before, or a couple months before Ragnarok came out. So he and his podcast host, a delightful host whose name is escaping me shamefully, I can't remember. It's a, it's a woman. It's a yeah. yeah. Elizabeth something, I think. Bathroy. I, I may be, yeah, I don't know. I That's Elizabeth. Oh. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> um, they appeared on another podcast to talk about Ragnarok, to do a final episode edition, so to speak. Ah. The podcast is called You Haven't Seen That, which is a podcast that a guy actually will take people and watch movies like from the 80s okay. that they have never seen that you know you kind of should see and kinda like how Andy wants to do Buckaroo Banzai with me exactly mm, right. I absolutely want to uh, as, a, as a double feature Buckaroo Banzai with uh, um, Big Trouble Little China yeah but I've seen Big Trouble yeah but once you've seen Buckaroo Banzai you need to watch Big Trouble Little China to see how it could be a sequel to Buckaroo Banzai okay so <clears throat> um this series, so he'll do things. He'll get one person, uh, usually uh, a younger sounding person. He, this guy, he doesn't. I, I, 
this just I, by the way this just came off the top of my head I remembered so I'm totally not prepared to talk about it so I don't know host names or anything like that uh, but um, the first episode after Thor Ragnarok which was a fun one that I listened to was the uh, first blood because he actually there was this woman he knew who had never seen first blood she knew about the Rambo movie sure but that's a whole different creature exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's part of what he talks about. He talks about the person's reaction to it. Um, and I just, I remember so much about that episode because that girl was so damn funny because she was just like, John Rambo's so nice. I would date him. He's so nice, you know? Because in, in First Blood, the first movie, he doesn't kill anybody. No, he's, and he only shoots one person. He's and, a very empathetic human being in that. Yeah. And it, it's a more subtle movie than the sequels were. Yeah. So yeah, that, that movie has something to say. In many ways, the sequels were actually sequels to the first sequel. Yes. Which, you know, is a sentence that should not make sense, but actually does. I want what they want. Yeah. <laughs> what all the other guys who spilled their guts want. Or his, his, his best line. For, for a country to love us mm. as much as we love it. My favorite line, of course, is but <laughs> the gun shooting line. Yeah, the, wow. the M60 just going off. <laughs> but anyway, um, so they have, and they have interesting choices, like The Raid, the uh, oh, martial yes. arts movie. Excellent, fantastic movie. And also Unforgiven. And that was really cool because they talked about uh, Clint Eastwood deconstructing his whole Western mythic persona basically really taking it down um throughout the movie and stuff like that so it's actually an interesting podcast but it's called uh you haven't seen that and uh look it up is that Uh, with a question mark you haven't seen that uh yeah (laughs) i i I should actually be researching this as we speak so i can have it all right but Ah. you'll do that but anyway, yeah, sure I will. I recommend I will. that. It's 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 a it's a fun little podcast. He gets someone, he gets a a a person who, it's not just um, someone who hasn't seen it before, but outside of that particular era, outside of that generation, mm. give it, and they give interesting viewpoints when they talk about the movies from the That's good cool. old days. That's really cool. Interesting, as opposed to the millennials who are all upset about. Uh, um, James Bond being sexist, right? Yeah. 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 One of the things that I noted, and I I don't mean to offend anybody on the left here, but one of the things I actually found refreshing is they went through that entire First Blood review, and never once did the young girl go, there are no roles for women. Oh. She never, never, you know, got upset about that. She just talked about the movie in its own context. Hmm. So that was sort of a that was sort of a bit of a refresher, because it's like, well, you know, I mean, in this case, this movie, it's kind of everybody in there. T- one of the things they talk about is just about everybody is unsympathetic. Mm. So yes. it's like you kind of want to step back and go, oh, I'm kind of glad my <laughs> niche is not represented here because yes, your, ev- your niche being 53 percent of the population. But yeah, yeah. you know, well, <laughs> but if you look at the context of the story, Andy, mm. there's really not yeah. much opportunity for major female characters, right? Especially given that it was uh, was a late violent s- men bumping against violent men. Uh, well, yeah, police, mm-hmm. police officers, national guardsmen, stuff like that from the late seventies, early eighties, mm-hmm. and of course special forces. 
So yeah, but it was it was interesting. So I do I do recommend it. All right. The uh, timeline of uh, computer animation and film and television on Wikipedia starts in 1960. It's really complicated. Oh wow. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. The uh, the the uh, footnote, the asterisk on Young Sherlock Holmes is first generated anime character. Okay. Realistic generated character. Something like that. Yeah, stained glass night. It's, yep. it's still it still holds up. It's a good looking. Actually, piece. it is. It does look good. I'm. It it it. It's interesting how you have people say things like "blank holds up," that doesn't hold up, mm-hmm. and you can understand that statement a little bit if you look at that scene from Young Sherlock. Yeah. Actually, oh. I recommend seeing the movie. It's the movie's bonkers, but yeah. it's so much fun. I haven't seen it since the theaters. I probably should oh, watch wow. it. Yeah. Uh oh, that's been a minute. Yeah. Another Goonies moment. Rami Tang. Could you no, get Goonied? Hey, we got a new verb. I got Goonied. No, when I saw Goonies <laughs> in the theater, I thought it was stuff. I didn't connect to it. Um, yeah. Oh, and speaking of stained glass, I finished the Galactus uh, the, this uh, week. Kirsten's painted stained yes, glass yes. piece. Are you happy with your blues I'm, I'm now? I'm happy with it now. And actually, I, I changed what I was going to do with it. I was going to paint more on the background, and Kirsten suggested I change the blue on the Galactus as opposed to the blue in the background, because it is kind of cool that when it goes to nighttime, the sky and the stained glass goes to nighttime, too. It is pretty cool. Yeah, that, I mean, those, those uh, different... When the first night that I looked up at that, and I was just like, "Holy crap, that looks totally different." Um, it, it's it's a great little effect, yeah. <clears throat> and um, it's uh, it was it was it's really it's really neat to have up there. God, I hope the HOA doesn't notice. I just hope my neighbors don't <laughs> care. It's it's right there. It's in the backyard, right? No, it's on side the yard. it's on the kitchen window, so oh, it's on the side of the house. No, it's fine. But. We did have uh, um, an ex-roommate come by to pick up some mail, and Andy was there to greet her, and the first thing she says when he opens the door is, did you get a stained glass window? So it's apparently you can see it, because she saw it driving up to the house. <clears throat> but from yeah. the street, you have to really look at it to see what it is. It just looks like a stained glass window or something. Yeah. Well, that, and that's one of the neat parts about, especially about like the Galactus aesthetic, is when you think about it, it it's actually in, incredibly stained glass. It is. You know, in, <laughs> in fact, you could probably get away with saying it's just a uh, artistic stained glass rendering of uh, God and Adam from yeah. Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and you know, because actually, kind of, sort of, is. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the, the um, now that I think about it, like um, vast majority of Kirby characters kind of are stained glasses. You could right. actually. You could actually take Kirby's characters, especially like Celestials yeah. or some of the really complicated stuff, uh, he, some of the more complicated they're new gemstone-y. gods. He borrowed yeah. heavily from the Torah. <clears throat> and just uh, stained glass it up. I watched Baby Driver. Oh, cool. Oh, my. That's a fun movie. Is that not fun? That's so much fun. Yeah. And my God, it's, the, it's a great music video. Mm-hmm. It is. It just oh, just using bullets to punctuate with the beat. Come mm-hmm. on, I I wasn't excited how it ended. No, but everything leading up to that was a fun ride. The end didn't upset me, but it, I yeah, I, I expected to go other places and might have been more interesting than it did. But it was fine. Yeah, I mean, it, it was enough to say that 
you know, oh, it was ruined by the ending. No, no, it was just... Just could have been better. It, it was a lack, little lackluster in the ending, mm-hmm. but everything leading up to it was so worthwhile. Uh, who the hell was it? Did I see that with you? Who did I see that with? Not me, no. I saw that with somebody, and I was annoying. <laughs> I have one now. I, I, I wasn't there, Andy. <laughs> I was annoying them by like leaning over and I, like saying what the song was before, but that that scene where you're like saying the song. Yeah, that would be annoying. Like, Egyptian reggae. What? Egyptian reggae. What? And the guy's, Egyptian reggae. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to move a few seats away from you after two of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. That'd be funny. Turn around twice, and there's Andy sitting alone in theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just murmuring next to him, Egyptian reggae. Yeah. Yeah. He finally takes out his phone and I, starts texting. For some reason, with all the build-up to that, all the ads and stuff, the phrase baby driver didn't click in my head until they got to the credits and they start playing the, the Simon and Garfunkel song. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's a song. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and I finally subscribed to Marvel Unlimited. Did you? This week. Uh, because they finally allowed just a subscription through iTunes. Ah. So I actually have a way of paying for it. What does that run? It's What I'm disappointed in is that it runs 10 bucks a month, yeah. which is fine, but if you can subscribe online, you can actually do a yearly version, which saves you about 25 bucks. Oh. And they don't offer that in the iTunes version. You can only do it as a recurring monthly subscription. Gotcha. So if you if you just walk watching on a computer, as opposed to on your no, app. you can you can go back and forth. Here's the issue: if you subscribe through Marvel itself, uh, uh, you can. I for all of my online transactions, I use Discover Card. Mm-hmm. It's the one I've had for ages. It's treated me right. It's saved me beautifully when certain attempts have been made against my credit. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep it because it's done me well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some businesses don't accept Discover, and Marvel Unlimited apparently is one of those. Ah, okay. So I can't subscribe. So to if it. you if yeah with Mastercard or Visa, right. one of the more common ones. Unless you, I use my debit, which is Visa, but I'll be damned if I'm throwing my debit card online. Sure. So if you subscribe with that. Um, yeah, then, yeah, you, you'll then, be you, fine. then you can switch back and forth yeah, between your yeah, iPad you, yeah, and all. You can subs- yeah, subscribe at your leisure. You're good, but uh, but because iTunes allows for an intermediary, because I pay with it with my Discover, right. I can use iTunes to buy unlimited. All right, now that we're past all the money stuff, how hey, is the viewing experience? The viewing experience is great. Yeah, and the one of the reasons I've wanted to do this is because I've wanted to read some of these newer characters that I haven't that I've heard about mm-hmm. or came across in. Uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest. Oh, yeah, that's right, Jeff Harris. I'm looking at you. That I'm like, okay, who's America Vesquez? Uh, she's one of the Young Avengers. She now has her own title, and so and I want to go read about uh, Gwenpool, who's you know I know her. Who's all over the place. Now, the comic man. is ending, but I still want to read it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spider Gwen, I want to read about that. And of course, I started reading Young Avengers as well, which goes into. Uh, I'm still learning their names, but one of them is Wiccan, which is the son of Scarlet Witch. Right. The uh, yeah, that's a bizarre, <clears throat> really bizarre. Is this origin. a separate time? Is this a separate timeline thing? Or is no, this- no, this no, no, this no. this is this comic started in 2013 and then resurged again in 2015. If my memory serves, because the whole Scarlet Witch children, Scarlet Witch envisioned children. Mm-hmm. I, I, came and went and came again and they did retcons and stuff so they did a final retcon where they uh they now exist and they're sort of 
kind of like reincarnated versions of the kit. It, it's weird. Yeah. But it's <clears throat> but so far, I've, so I've been reading Young Avengers to get to know these characters a bit. Mm-hmm. It's been a really fun read mm-hmm. so far. America Vasquez is actually a really a cool character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She creates star uh, portals that are in the shape of stars and then has to punch through them to go to the other side of the portal. Oh. It's kind of a fun... And she's a really cool character just in general. But so now I've got Unlimited, so I can now connect to these Marvel characters I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Just because they've appeared in the last five years. And I just haven't had the scratch to go, okay, I'm going to now read a whole new series now. Yeah. I'm, but I, I could do that for 10 I, bucks a I, month. I hate to say this. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got all those comics under my bed that I need to sort through. I don't really... F- feel the desire to have a giant collection of physical comics anymore but i want to read the stories so it kind of sounds perfect yeah they give you the first week for free to try it out of course mm-hmm. and, and so i'm sure i'm getting like, charged like for any good now. like any good pusher sure mm-hmm. but uh, i'll it's one of the things i'll probably continue for a little bit and then go okay i've read enough from here and I have a taste of these four color fantasies i know who these free. people yeah i know who these people are i, I still like comicsology's thing a little better because it, one is cheaper, it's like five ninety nine a month, mm-hmm. and it's mostly independent comics. Right. So you could read like Bitch Planet and uh, History of Hip Hop and all the mm-hmm. really great stuff you might not get a hold of. So, but for now, Marvel Unlimited is going to fill in some gaps. Cool. And I'm happy to fill those gaps. That's cool. So that's uh, my geeky <clears throat> week. I um, I uh, got scammed. So that was oh. Fun. Yeah, I got a Facebook direct message from a friend who used to work with at uh, Star Trek The Experience. Okay. And it's funny because it was the connection at Star Trek Experience that got me because the link was, Kirsten, is this you in this video? Which is actually a standard sure. thing. Mm-hmm. And because you were in a lot of Star Trek videos. Because the Star Trek, the experience, yeah, a lot of promotional stuff and everything. So I clicked on it, and it's a dummy page. Uh, it has a big old video panel with a giant start button, but nothing starts. And I'm like, oh, crap. And so I backed out, cleared my history, did a virus scan. Everything looked all right, but I was just like, ah. Is that before or after I got scammed? Um, <clears throat> this was just a couple days ago. Okay, so it was after. All right. Yeah, and then and now now I'm just now a uh, mysterious person has friended me on Facebook or or attempted to friend me and it's one of those accounts that it looks like it just got created a few mm-hmm. hours ago. Ah, yes. Um is it a Russian woman? Uh no, but it is a woman and it was it was just sort of like what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. So, it's it's been actually kind of mm. where is this going to so, lead? And this is this is also annoying because it's tax time and I'm uh, about ready to do my taxes and I do my taxes online. Sure. Mm. I want to make sure my computer is safe first. All right. The mm. scam I got was a direct message that I, I so that looks like I had created a group saying I was renting a. Uh, also on Facebook. Yeah, and it looked like I was. It looked like I was renting a room to somebody. I said yes. Yeah, so and the, the the response was from some guy. Said yes, I like this room. And it was still available. And I'm like, what the hell? And then you know, I, I realized it's some sort of weird scam because you can actually pay money on that part of Facebook now. So. Hey! So I just reported those fuckers and got out of there. That's why I don't do Messenger at mm. all. Yeah. Ugh. Nah. Anything else you do, Dents? 
That covers a lot. Uh, it does cover Matt, a lot. what did you do? I didn't do nothing this I week. I didn't do nothing. All right, we got it. Jeff, what did you do? Goes on for some Well, let's minutes. see. Uh, yeah. About some television. All right. There you go. So, about how the television works and uh, <laughs> yes. which tubes go where and what when, each, when each, to switch over from tubes to the digital right, stuff. Right, which one, what, what each of the Ks does. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> All 8,000 of them? Yes. All right, you know what? I've got a lot of news. And Uh-oh. I, I would love to get through some of this news. All Let's right. knock it out. It's the three of us. We can do this. We can do this. How many pages? Let's I, knock I've, it I've off. Got, we can try them and tell bad jokes, though. I've got eight pages of news and two pages of red light, green light. We'll Ooh. have to skip the red light, green light for now. Yeah, okay. There's two of you. What? You're the tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the pitch man. God damn it. So if there's right. three of us, we could do it. But. Yeah. All right, so talk, take that as a preview for next week. There may be so, a red light, green light next that's week. That's right. So, unfortunately, Andy. No, 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 no. We got to do Weekend Geek. (laughs) That's so funny, right, man? That's making me You did hear him, right, Andy? (laughs) Wait, no, I didn't. I spaced out. I was all braced for the ah. You got him. You got him good. I really did. Wow. Totally got him. I'm I'm really happy. I'm actually blushing now. It was funny. You said that, and I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then he did the blah. And, I, and here the? I thought the joke was on Matt. No. <laughs> it doesn't happen every week, Matt. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently it does, even when it doesn't have to happen. Mm. And the funny thing is you can't prove it because he wasn't here to witness it. Right, and he didn't and listen. And he's not going to ne- listen. He never so. listens. No. Well, that doesn't listen. <laughs> Which he's thankful for. That was one of the things he was really nervous about. <laughs> we should still do about five minutes on Paulette just yeah. in case. Yeah, yeah. really. All right, weekend gig. Although I will say these first few <laughs> have, have a little, little borderline. Have a little borderline on. All right, uh, have a little little smudge you got to smear off. Uh. The first one, DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers Television have given a thirteen episode direct to series order for Metropolis, a live action series set to launch on ready for it DC's upcoming consumer direct digital streaming service. Uh. DCCD. Yes, that's the one. The series will explore the title city at a time before Superman arrives on the scene. Here's the official synopsis via the press release. Quote, set in the wondrous and awe-inspiring city of tomorrow, before the arrival of Superman, Metropolis follows Lois Lane and Lex Luthor as they investigate the world of fringe science and expose the city's dark and bizarre secrets. Right, it's the X-Files with Lex and Lana. Lois. Lois. That's the one. Well, you're just not giving a shit, are you? You're not listening at all. He's over there making I'm doing up my his own, own pers- stories. I'm doing my own personal news I don't give a shit about. <laughs> Metropolis will be executive produced by John Stevens and Danny Cannon, two of the minds behind, you guessed it, Gotham. Cannon is uh, set to direct the pilot episode. Stevens will script. It's based on a story they collaborated on. The series is the fourth to launch on the new digital service. Following the live-action Titans and the animated projects Harley Quinn and Young Justice Outsiders. Are those already launched? Is that what it's saying? No, no. Okay. They, I don't think they've launched it yet. Okay. It's upcoming, though. The show will enter production later this year ahead of a 2019 debut. All right. Did anybody watch Black Lightning last week? I, I've stayed away from it because I feel so divorced from the Berlantiverse. Because hmm. I haven't watched any Flash, mm-hmm. I haven't watched any Tomorrow. I've watched a little, like like five episodes of Green Arrow in the mm-hmm. first season. 
So I feel like going into Black Lightning is going in with a deficit. I'm not even sure it's tied into the I haven't seen either, but the the reviews sounded good from what I saw. Yeah, I'm hearing great things. Yeah. I'm hearing it's good. But as far as watching it, the Berlanti verse seems like it's one of those things that I'm going to have to just deep dive in right. at a certain point and just watch a lot of it. Yeah. Mm. And watch it in order. Find one of the lists so you don't get yeah. spoilers. Yeah, I'm going to have to definitely do that. Not yeah. like Crazy K does, where he just watches all of one I show and all of another one show. And, yeah. So, I'd say having to do that kind of homework to watch that series of shows seems daunting. You that just, was part of the problem. Just Google it. I was just like, uh, I don't want Arrowverse to. viewing order. Boom, yeah. done. Yeah, but I don't want to have to create a checklist. Then either. you got to stop yeah. and you got to bring up the other series and you got to press go. Yeah, I don't want to press go. Mm. Jesus. What do you think I am? Yeah, really. A guy that reads 53 books. You think I have books. seconds to spare? <laughs> exactly. You answered the question, Andy. <laughs> uh, speaking of books, we really should approach this. Uh, the poll has spoken. We do have our book for February. What did you say? Oh, not that poll. Never mind. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> um, Jesus. Yep. I can't, I'm, I can't. It, it's really funny, I too. I actually have <laughs> the... Uh, <clears throat> Kindle did a three book for one book sale years ago, and I bought Monster Monster Hunters, and so I have the first three books on Kindle. Oh. <clears throat> and uh, this spurred me to read the second book. Oh wow! Which I'm almost done with. So, when did you start? Hmm? When did you start um, the second book? Two days ago. Is it as long as the first book? Because that first book, that, okay, first of all, the book is Monster Hunters International. Yes. By Larry Correa. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is uh, Harris recommended Insomnia by Stephen King mm. as his nomination. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote it on there. It's like, I'm hesitant to vote for Insomnia as much as I love the book. Uh, one, because I read it eight months ago. And two, because it's over 700 pages long, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of hesitant to vote for a really long book for the club because that's daunting for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I started reading Monster Hunter International last night, and I'm noticing when I'm reading the Kindle percentage of the book you're getting through is not changing. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, how long is this book? And I'm looking at it, and kids, this Kindle book is at 787 pages. I'm like, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But... But da, da, da. but I will say I've I've been, I'm about ten percent through it now and I'm enjoying what I'm reading. But I want to, <laughs> you know, there's a silence. There's only so much I can say. Okay, until the eighth. But Aww. yes, Monster Hunter International is the book. And bringing up the Kindle aspect, if you're considering reading the book for the club, yes, and even though it is long, if you have a Kindle, it's free. Is that, it that first book is zero dollars? Oh, he does. If the way the first book in that series is, or, yes, or, okay. Monster Hunter Inter- International is the first of what later became more books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that first one is free, so it's and it has been for a little while. First taste is free, baby. First taste is free. Because I bought it a year ago and it wasn't. It was free for me. So, yeah. and he's he's a pretty good writer. Um, he's uh, he's he's got nice little plots. He moves the action along. It flows very well. I will say I'm pretty impressed on how quick it's moving. Yeah, because it moves fast. He yeah he's done in about a hundred pages what a lot of books take 
you know, a couple books, two, three books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, in fact, I'm kind of daunted as to how much story is going to be in here as he, if he keeps this pace. Yeah. He, mm. There's a lot. Cause there's still 600 pages. He actually does a lot. He has, he has a few ticks that are sort of like a, uh, uh, young or fanfic writery ticks. One of them, and he, I, I was, I'm bringing this up cause I noticed it in the second book. It's like, Oh, he hasn't broken this habit yet. He's one of those writers who entered the first time he mentions a character, he uses the full name. So it's like Todd Bristow started today's podcast by working on a while Andy Taylor sat down and picked up his, you know, yes. and it's just like, <sighs> yeah, there, there's a few of those little ticks that when I write my review on the book club that I've already like, I've already started making notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but overall the action is very good, and he's a gun nut, so all very of apparent. his all of his weapon information is it's 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 you know gun nerd porn, very much yeah. so. And again. I'll, I'll discuss that after the silence is yep. broken. But yeah, so if you're daunted by the cost, it costs nothing. So feel, nothing. Free, to pick, feel free to pick it up. Uh, and I can okay. afford nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't have Kindle, just download the free app on your phone, buy the free book, and there you go. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi. Yes. Of Evil Dead and Spider-Man fame may have found his next project. Oh, boy. Patrick Rothfuss's the King's Killer Chronicle in, is in the works at say Lion, that three times I don't want to. I Come on. don't want to. Is in the works at Lionsgate, executive produced by Hamilton creator Lynn Manuel Miranda. According to Variety, Raimi is currently in negotiations for the project, although at this time Lionsgate hasn't commented on the news. If Raimi does go does sign on, he'll likely be working closely with Miranda and writer Lindsay Beer, who wrote Transformers the last night in adapting the first best-selling book of the series, The Name of the Wind, for a future feature film. Miranda is signed on to serve as, quote, ex- creative producer and musical mastermind, unquote, of both the film as well as a Showtime series based on the books, with John Rogers from Leverage attached as the showrunner for the Showtime show. It's currently unclear whether Raimi will participate in the TV series as well, Beginning in 2007, Rothfuss's series of books, comprised of two best-selling novels, three novellas, and a yet-to-be-finished third book, have sold millions of copies worldwide. They follow the tales of Quoth, a famous adventurer, magician, and musician, and self-described to a scribe, a.k.a. the, co- the chronicler. Hmm. Here's why it makes me nervous. Uh-oh. <clears throat> because Sam Raimi, with his producer in tow tappert i think james tappert's his name created the keeper mm. tv show based on the wizard's first rule series right uh which i i love the wizard first rule series it's it's a it's a libertarian's dream fantasy series uh but when they translated it to television it was absolute shit i don't think i've been angrier at a TV series since The Secret. Wow. I, I watched two episodes and like, fuck this, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with Tappert and Raimi doing television. That, Oof. Yeah, that's that's how strong I was with it. So having Raimi and Tappert's pretty much his producer, so I'm sure he's involved as well. Doing King's Killer Chronicles. It's an interesting choice. It's an interesting t- choice. Now that they're mm. just doing the film 
okay, I'm a little more on board with that because I love Raimi as a film director. But in television, I wasn't big into Xena. I, I wasn't big into uh, uh, Prince of Thieves or whatever that was. I didn't get to see Prince of Thieves. Uh, the you know, the the, uh, the, um... the offshoot. Or, or Hercules, I think, was his as well. Right. Yep. Uh, the Continuing Journeys or Amazing Journeys or whatever it was called. I, I just... I never could get on board with the tone. Oh, really? Of those shows. That's that just uh, t- the camp level was a little too high. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. right. And that was my problem with the the keeper is it was based on because there's nothing camp about Wizards First Rule. It's a no. very serious yeah. fantasy epic series. And in just throwing the camp in there just made me cringe. Mm. Made me cringe so hard. Now, here's the thing. King's Killer Chronicles probably can handle some camp. Mm. Because it's... I've talked about the Rothfuss series on the show before. It's a character exploration in, in need of a plot. There's At least, I've only read the first book. Maybe the second book has a lot more plot to it. But the first one is just like a series of vignettes about a character, how he grew up with his uh, musician parents, how their train was attacked by the big bad guy who shows up kind of sporadically throughout, how he raised himself on the streets, mean city streets, and how he got into a magical university. That's, that's kind of the story as far as that, and how he fell in love with another lady on the other side of the tracks mm. that's kind of the first book and and but all the fun is in the details it it still worked so maybe it could lend itself to the Raimi style mm-hmm. so yeah, we'll, we'll see mm. Atari is partnering with producer Scott Sternberg for a new game show based on Pong wow one of the earliest games on any platform. Pong launched in 1972. It allowed two players to hit a small digital ball back and forth using two digital lines as rackets, basically. Is that really something you need to explain? Is that something that's gone out of the I gotta cultural be sure. memory? I, I don't know anymore. Wow. It's very possible. I want to make sure everyone knows. You Bonk. know Pong? You know Space Bonk. War? Yes. Punk. According to Variety, the new show will be called Million Dollar Pong. It is the first game show to be adapted from an Atari game. Jeff Merkin of Atari will serve as producer alongside Sternberg. Sternberg's a game show veteran, uh, producer behind Hollywood Squares, Love Connection, and The Gong Show. And uh, no other information is really given yet about Million Dollar Pong. uh... But they're working on that. Huh. Yeah, I don't see how you do that, but I'll be, you know, I, yeah. I saw a commercial for a game show starring Ellen DeGeneres where she drops people into trap doors. She, that's the whole thing? She I, that, that carries was, that, people That's what over... they showed in the, in the previews, was her dropping people through trap doors. Hmm. I've, I've seen lots of shows, both British and American, that have dropped people in trap doors for various mm. reasons, getting trivia questions wrong or being mm-hmm. the last one in a group to get things right or... Yeah. So I, I can't, I yeah. will say it's very amusing to watch game show contestants sure. fall through trap doors. Sure. I can get behind that. I remember the uh, the dark 
the the, the game show that takes place in the dark. Ah, yes. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but that was fun. Wow, and, I don't remember and, that. And and the losers have to draw, jump through a trap door when they when they got uh, dropped. I think. Yeah, I can't remember if. I remember there was a trap door involved. Yeah. I, I'm there. I think it's a British game show called The Tower or something like that, where they have like these eight contestants and they construct this massive multi-level tower and each level has some sort of horrendous exit. Hmm. And the whole conceit is, here is the question, which, uh, for example, what inventions were named after their inventor? And the then there is a list to choose from. Mm-hmm. And everyone, and then you answer trivia questions to be able to be the first to get, take a name from the list. Ah. And there's one name on there that is wrong. And if you get the wrong one, you are ejected from the tower in some extreme way. Hmm. Whether uh, thrown, catapulted or trapdoored, there's, there's various wonderfully scary, horrible ways of going off that tower. Hmm. So that's kind of the conceit. So I, I can see trapdoors. Okay. Any more thoughts on Pong the game? <laughs> No, but Million Dollar Pong sounds like a Paul Mattingly character. It does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> well, it had been previously rumored that Spielberg was circling Indy 5 as his next gig. Now the Hollywood Reporter claims that it will begin filming next year. Insiders tell the publication that Indiana Jones 5 will start shooting in 2019 with a view of being released in 2020 with Spielberg at the helm. No further details yet on the project. What? Why, why are you counting on your hands? I'm counting. I, I got my numbers wrong. That's fine. Carry on. <laughs> All right. Deadline previously reported that Spielberg was interested in bringing Jurassic World and Guardian of the Galaxy's Chris Pratt into the mix to star alongside Indy himself, uh, Harrison Ford, but still no word on that. Uh, per The Hollywood Reporter, Spielberg also this week started work on West Side Story by recruiting Spanish-speaking actors with the help of his longtime producer, Christy Krieger, and Broadway producer, Kevin McCollum. Hmm. So we'll probably see that West Side like, Story first and then uh, Indie after. Seems like an odd one to remake. West Side Story? Yeah. Ah, it's ripe for it. It's, it's been decades. Sure. They'd, they'd have to change the setting. Why there are no gangs in New York anymore? Yeah. Not in the West Side. The West Side's where the Lincoln, <laughs> where the, the where the West where the West Side story was based is where the Lincoln Center is now. Okay. It's like I mean, that that neighborhood is gone. There's no reason it wouldn't be a period piece. Right. So a period piece makes sense. Yeah. 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 Period piece would be cool. Yeah. In fact, it almost kind of has to be. Yeah. I mean, I mean if. You know, Baz Luhrmann can do Romeo plus Juliet. I mean, anything can happen. But. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. But um, some of the, some of the, the, the wacky cop stuff is not going to, you know, go into the, you know, this, this day and age. Officer Kropke, you shot me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll work. It'll work. Spielberg's magic. He can do anything. Yeah. On most things. Ready Player One. Coming soon. Oh, yeah. Shit. I've got to read that real quick. Mm-hmm. That was almost, it was neck and neck with the book club. Mm-hmm. It was. I voted for it. It lost only by a couple of votes to Monster Hunter International. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of pull for that. So maybe next month that could happen, which would be the month that comes out, right? Yeah. Oh, oh dear. 
That's not bad, though. We're reading concurrently. That works. Sure. Mm-hmm. Robert Kirkman, the sure. successful Image Comics partner and creator of the hit series The Walking Dead and Invincible, is about to launch his first new comic in three years. This spring, Kirkman will debut Oblivion Song, a new sci-fi series with art by Lorenzo Di Felici, who will make his American interior art debut after doing cover work for The Walking Dead, Manifest Destiny, and more. The series' tone will be more grim than Invincible, but less grim than The Walking Dead, and follow a man named Nathan Cole, who makes repeated trips to rescue people from an alternate dimension called Oblivion. Here's the official synopsis. A decade ago, 300,000 citizens of Philadelphia were suddenly lost in oblivion. The government made every attempt to recover them, but after many years, they gave up. Nathan Cole won't. He makes daily trips, risking his life to try and rescue those lost, alone, and afraid, living in the apocalyptic hellscape of oblivion. But maybe Nathan is looking for something else. Why can't he resist the siren call of the oblivion song, unquote? Oblivion Song is Kirkman's first new ongoing series since 2014 when he launched Outcast with artist Paul Azazetta. That series, like The Walking Dead before it, landed a TV deal even before it was released and and launched a Cinemax universe in 2014. Invincible is already in development as a film and his other series, Thief of Thieves, is in works as a TV series. So it wouldn't be surprising to see Oblivion Song start its journey to the screen soon. The first issue is set to debut March 7th, 2018. Mm. That sounds fun. It does sound fun, and I've been kind of racking my brain. Has there been a story, movie, or otherwise about somebody who's goes back and forth between an alternate dimension to rescue people? Well, heck, get, heck is kind of that, but it's he's going into hell. Um, tell me heck. Uh, you know, I, I, I would do it badly. It's it's it's, it's what, TV it's, show. No, no, it's it's a graphic novel by uh, Xander Cannon. Okay, yeah. So it's done in comics, and I'm sure it's been done in novel form in some but, way or another. Like I say, it's not quite that. It's not that. I mean, it sounds sounds like this is a relatively. I certainly haven't heard anything quite like that. That sounds fun. Yeah, I'm way intrigued. I, if I say fun, it sounds like interesting. Not like, you know, like oh, let's go have a happy joy time in the oblivion land. No, no, you know my idea of fun. I'm, sure. I'm wearing a Carrie shirt, for God's mm-hmm. sake. So, you know, Carrie is Barbie. Yeah, it's, I was going to say. It's, <laughs> it's, it's whimsical. <laughs> I want to see that part of the toys that made us. Carrie? The Carrie Barbie, uh, the special that's Carrie sh- Barbie. Uh, that's a short episode. Yeah. Just, I don't think new it was- prom set. <laughs> Supply your own pig's blood. Did I show you guys the pictures of the Marvel Barbies? They're yes, very yes, strange. Did. Yeah. No, I like them. They're they're kind of inspired yeah. costumes. Right. They're like they're like ball gowns based on superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you behind this. Yeah. Valiant Entertainment's foray into fleshing out a cinematic universe for its stable of comic book characters may be about to get a hot lot more ambitious. Really? Under a newly announced buyout that puts Valiant in the hands of DMG Entertainment. Looks like we're getting a whole lot more character crossover and a lot more movies. DMG, a studio with a track record of genre credibility, thanks to co-production partnerships on movies like Looper, Iron Man 3, and Transcendence, bought Valiant Entertainment in a deal that aims to significantly elevate Valiant's push into the film world. 
Valiant already has film deals with Harbinger, Bloodshot, uh, Shadowman, X-Men, Man of War, and more, as well as TV development deals for Quantum and Woody and Dr. Mirage. But DMG CEO Dan Mintz says his company intends to evolve the Valiant roster after a pattern uh, that should look familiar to fans of Marvel and DC. Uh, quote, our priority is to build upon Valiant's vast universe of characters from a filmmaker's perspective, Mintz said in a press release announcing the deal. I'm excited to immerse Valiant's fans well beyond the stories we call cinema- cinematicality. Do they call it that? I don't think they call it that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure they don't call it that. <laughs> from publishing to gaming and to theme parks and beyond, unquote. Theme parks always catches me. Right, of course it is. I want to know the Valiant theme park. Did you ever go to the um, sort of half-assed Flintstone, not even a theme park, like a a park in near Grand Canyon? This is the abandoned park in Arizona, right? not abandoned. It isn't still running? It's still open, still running. Okay, I thought it was one of the Really worn down. Because they made a whole bunch of Flintstone campsites. Yeah, that's that's what this is. Across the country. And many of those are now abandoned. I thought it was one of them. This one's still there. So you what well, you go there you pay your your fee to yeah it's to camp it's, it's cheap no no it's 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 a, it's a gift store in the front and then I think you pay a couple bucks to go in the back where it's basically like a sort of Flintstone themed playground with slides and stuff but it's, it's a pretty big space but all right but you you do get to walk inside the big stone buildings like in Flintstone but they're you know mostly cement and plasterboard but I could get I, if you do that's my I love that stuff. It's a fun I, piece of Roadside America. That's it. I, roadside America. I, I, there's few things I put higher entertainment value on <laughs> than, than strange stopping points between where you're you're going. All right. I know I've told this before, but this was worth telling again. When I was a wee, wee child, when I was like five or six or seven around there, we were driving around through the back roads in southern Massachusetts. And we saw something weird through the trees, and we walked through the trees and found an old story bland oh, themed wow. amusement park that was all the trees oh. were grown over it. It's a giant, you know, pumpkin with a slide. Oh, that sounds fantastic! It is, and I and I and I don't remember exactly where it was, and I'm sure by this time, you know, the nature has eaten it all up. But of course, yeah, but I mean, because that would have been you know 50 years ago. But it was it was there. It was a bizarre thing. Yep. I really don't do any Patreon for really anybody. There is one person I do Patreon for. Okay. The one and only Patreon I do. And it's a YouTuber that calls himself the Carpet Bagger. All right. It's a guy from the North that moved to the South. And his whole thing is exploring strange museums, old attractions that are still there or maybe not still there. Mm-hmm. And he just walks around them, tells their history, what he knows about them. And if they're abandoned, he explores what he can of them. And then he has his uh, drone that he takes footage of places that he can't get to. And mm-hmm. and I just love I, it. I, I, know there, I know there's other ones out there like Adam the Woo and so on, but Carpetbagger has a beautiful innocence about him. That I, I assume I really he's enjoyed. done that Wizard of Oz park. I'm sure he, yes, he yeah, has. He yeah. most definitely has. And uh, yeah, he's the only Patreon I do, and I do him 10 bucks a month. Mm. And for that, you get a weird vintage postcard from him every month of where he ah, places he goes. That's cool. 
So, yeah, check out the carpetbagger if you're into that sort of thing. And, you know, he goes to, like, Ripley's museums and stuff like that and the little small-town museums to yeah. find the weird things you can find. So, and what the, one of the reasons I started following him, because he's one of those guys that became a victim of his YouTube celebrity. Uh-oh. Uh, he was doing a full-time job and doing this at the same time. He was a social worker. Mm -hmm. So he would be on call for seven days. And then he'd be seven days off for taking such an intense shift. And then he'd do those seven days and go do his YouTube stuff. Well, he ended up with some YouTube stalker that ended up calling his uh, work, calling him at work, calling his boss, and basically just harassing them. And his boss gave him the ultimatum of, listen, you have to make a choice. It's either YouTube channel or this job. Mm -hmm. He chose the YouTube channel. Good choice. Yeah. So it... So that's why I started uh, backing him on Patreon to help support him in his endeavor. Interesting. To break off from the man. Yeah, really. So carpet bagger. Glad it's a lot he of was fun. able to do that. Yeah, me because too. of guys like you, Todd. Yeah. Supporting through Patreon. That's right. People that love money. <laughs> uh, where was I? Was I still a... Uh... Carpetbagger. No, and that was before. The Valiant. <laughs> Valiant Entertainment. <laughs> Valiant doing their cinematicality. 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 <laughs> Behind Marvel and DC, Valiant enjoys the world's third largest lineup of comic book properties, boasting a library of more than 2,000 characters. Wow. Valiant? That's what this says. I don't believe that. I, I have a hard time believing it, but this says 2,000. I, I believe there's more than 200, so I don't think it's a typo. Unless, no, 200, I believe. 2,000 seems like a lot. Because that now, if you, only existed really as a comic for... But they cranked out a lot of stuff. Yeah, and you got to yeah. think about all the villains that they've done and all the ancillary characters. And hmm. and they're, they are back, so they're still yeah. making so they're still new characters. Out. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, Mintz told The Hollywood Reporter that his company has no plans to shake up the creative world that Valiant's been hard at work building since its founding of 1987. 87. Mm. Uh, but fans, quote, can expect more strong storytelling with a defined road to other platforms, unquote, as well as an expanded creative role on the film side from its existing lineup of comics comic book, and comic book writers. Mm. So in the weird comic news here, uh, very, very edgy at ed, ed, the edge of comics here. But the first comic I was supposed to work on was a thing called The Rovers. There were seven issues of it, and then it went under. And the publisher I was working with bought the rights to it, and we were gonna re reboot it, not reboot it, but we we're gonna continue from the just continue the storyline. And it was a post-apocalypse, but the world hadn't completely fallen apart. It just sort of. It was on its way. It was sort of uh, become sort of martial law with the adults being very uh, authoritarian and very uh, uh, right wing tightly. And, and, and the stars were, were the teenagers in high school that were still going to this high school in the post apocalypse. And one of the characters wore a Cleveland. One of the characters wore a Cleveland Indians hat. And the only reason I know the name Chief Wahoo is because there's a panel in there that says there's blood on Chief Wahoo and I want to know why. <laughs> so. A tip, a tip of the baseball cap to Chief Wahoo is finally going away, and I can't believe he lasted that long. That's a fine point. Yeah. Wow. That is, <laughs> I mean, it's not even a little racist. That's like, like yeah. full on. 
the the band the band eleven Warner Brothers cartoons uh, racist. Yeah, yeah, it's it's there. Wow, wahoo! Now we lost two big names in publishing this week. Did we? So we'll we'll discuss those here. First off, of course, science fiction speculative fiction author Ursula K. Le Guin. Oh yeah, died on January twenty second at her home in Portland, Oregon. She was eighty eight years old, born in nineteen twenty nine. The daughter of two anthropologists, Le Guin showed an early interest in science fiction, uh, put it aside to attend college, where she ended up getting a master's degree in romance literature of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. Her first science fiction novel, Rokanon's World, was published in 1966, blended technology and traditional heroic fantasy elements. Over the course of her career, Le Guin would publish over 20 novels, 12 books of poetry, over 100 short stories, 7 collections of essays, 13 children's books, and a guide for writers. Le Guin's best-known work was The Left Hand of Darkness, a novel set on the planet Gethin, whose population has no fixed sex. The novel focuses on themes about the way sex and gender play roles in culture and society, and is noted as one of the first examples of feminist science fiction literature. It won both the Hugo Award and a Nebula Award for Best Novel. Other notable works include Le Guin's Library, uh, the Earthsea series, which consists of six novels and eight short stories. But despite her large catalog, very few of Le Guin's works have been turned into films or television. Which I was going to say, the first, my first brush against uh, Ursula K. Le Guin was uh, a made-for-TV, actually made-for-PBS, if I remember correctly, movie. Uh, two parts, The Lathe of Heaven. I was just about to say, The Lathe of Heaven, made for WNET in New York, yeah. 1979. Yeah. Made with Le Guin's involvement, she considered this to be the only good adaptation of her work. It was pretty good. In 2002, A&E did a version of the same book. Uh, 2004 saw an adaption of The Earth Sea, done for sci-fi, that Le Guin thought whitewashed many of her diverse characters. Yeah, it did. Mm. It did. It um <clears throat> it was really trying to capitalize on the Harry Potter excitement because oh, Earthsea yeah. actually uh, has a portion of its story take place in a young wizard's academy, uh, but it's nothing like nothing like Hogwarts at all. Um, but they they kind of went Hogwarts with it, and, uh, uh. so it it yeah <clears throat> it's it Earthsea was incredible. Just absolutely an incredible uh, trilogy. I and have, you have my attention. I haven't read it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's it's a classic, and it's it's about um, it's about a, a young uh, a young man who has uh, wizardly potential. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and his growth as a wizard, and his, and his scar kicks Harry Potter's car all the hell gone. His car, his, his scar, his scar kicks yeah. Harry Potter to hell and yeah, gone. Yeah. He has little, a scar. Yeah, his hair oh. is much more impressive than Harry Potter's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like one of those face deforming scars. Pretty much. Yeah, oh, I like kind it. Kind of, sorta. And and she hues. You know, the the magic is everywhere, but it's also very mysterious, and it's very. It it's a great it's a great series and it's short. It's you know back from the late sixties. Uh, yes. When they made them short. The time it takes us to read Monster Hunter International, you can pop off the trilogy. Read the trilogy. <laughs> yeah, wow. so it's and it's really, really well done. It's, and and just the pro, the prose alone is is really well done. She's she's great. She's great. 
Wow. And the uh, second one we lost, you might not be as familiar with, but a little closer home to me. Uh, horror author Jack Ketchum. Oh, that name sounds familiar. Who Stephen King once called the scariest guy in America, unquote. Ooh. He died last Monday at the age of 71. He was apparently battling cancer at the time. The author, whose real name is Dallas Mayer, was once known for disturbing and relentlessly violent novels such as Off Season, about a family of cannibals, its sequel Offspring, and The Woman, and the almost unbearably bleak The Girl Next Door. The uh, latter three, along with Ketchum novels, uh, Lost and Red, were all adapted into equally unnerving films, with Ketchum writing or co-writing the screenplays for Offspring and The Woman. Born in Livingston, New Jersey in 1946, Ketchum worked in his parents' luncheonette as a young adult, but developed an interest in writing and horror early on. He is befriended by legendary author Robert Block. That's the psycho of Robert Block, mm-hmm. guy who wrote Psycho, not that he was Psycho. <laughs> who mentored the budding author until Block's death in 1994. Ketchum's first novel, Off Season, was published in 1980. He adopted the Ketchum pseudonym, taken from a real-life outlaw named Thomas Blackjack Ketchum, who wrote at one time with Butch Cassidy, mm-hmm. because he was worried the book would alarm his parents. Critical reaction to the novel's extreme violence was so harsh that the publisher, Ballantine, let the book go out of print after the initial run had sold out. Wow. Uh, the book was reissued years later by independent horror publisher Cemetery Dance. Ketchum, who lived in New York City, was the winner of four Bram Stoker Awards and was named a Grand Master of the Genre in 2011 by the World Horror Convention, bequeathing the world some of the most sh- shattering horror fiction ever written. Mm. I got to meet Jack Ketchum a few years back, and he is, and as any horror writer who knew him will tell you, he's the most gentle soul. I talked with him a little bit, telling him that I hadn't read his work and which one should I start with and so on. Uh, here's the thing to know about Jack Ketchum if you want to read him. His stuff is intense. Okay. Super intense. He's one of the horror authors that, and probably the only one I can really say this about, that I have absolute immense respect for and almost steadfastly refuse to read his work. Wow. Because his work is just that. That's intense. That disturbing. Uh, The kind of horror that I like to read is not mankind's inhumanity to mankind. Mm. And that's this genre. But if you like that kind of horror genre, Jack Ketchum was made for you, but Uh. he does not hold back. Okay. And, what I really like about horror authors and science fiction fantasy authors that I see a lot is that whole mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, Brian Keene was mentored by Jack Ketchum and Richard Lehman. I mean, you, you will talk to horror authors and they will say that not only were they inspired by some of these guys, but they had regular relationships with them and the Older generation helped the younger generation make their writing better. Yeah, I was going to say, Robert Block was uh, corresponded with uh, Lovecraft. Yeah. And they wrote each other into each other's stories. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that was that. Well, you're right. That was a thing for quite a while. Especially, yeah, Lovecraft did that with a lot of authors. And, and Brian Keene is doing the same. He's, he's, he's got his own cadre of young authors that he sort of mentors, and they're they're moving up in, in the world, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the name? Andre Caesar. 
I think that's his name. Yeah, don't ask me. And uh, Adam Caesar. Adam Caesar being one of them. And he's one that I really recommend as far as the, the young crop goes. He's the one that did, uh, I think it was called Zero Hour. Oh, shoot. I can't remember the name offhand now. But uh, the one mm. that the uh, ghost story that takes place in the arcade that I talked about a couple of years back. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's him. So, so Jack Ketchum, huge name in horror, uh, lost this week. So let's let's get back to happier news. Yeah, let's. And let's talk about Duncan Jones. How's he doing? Duncan Jones is doing good. He directed Moon, right? He direct, uh, directed Warcraft. Didn't do as well, but internationally did pretty good. Duncan Jones has announced a release date for his passion project, Mute, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Justin Thoreau, Paul Rudd, slated to be released on Netflix. Equating its development with Terry Gilliam's Don Quixote project, he revealed via Twitter that it's been a long, complicated journey to bring the original script to screen. He praises Netflix for their willingness to take a chance on the project while giving the material an opportunity to find its audience. The film will be hitting the streaming service on February 23rd. The script itself had originally been slated to be Jones's first movie and even garnered the support of Sam Rockwell, who wanted to play the lead role of Leo, now being played by Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. While Jones didn't see Rockwell as being right for the role, the actor's interest led to Jones writing the screenplay for Moon with Rockwell in mind. And if you haven't seen Moon, that's a science fiction film not to miss. Moon is wonderful. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, over the years, life and other projects intervened to push Mute further down the list of variable projects, and they'd even considered changing media and making it into a graphic novel with Eisner Award-winning comics artist Glenn Fabry, cover artist with much of the Run of Preachers series. But finally, the project has come to fruition as originally intended as a full-length feature. Uh, though initially set in contemporary London, the story takes place in a future Berlin with Skarsgård as a mute bartender with Thoreau and Rudd each playing American surgeons. Jones has hinted that Mute will be the second part of a trilogy, including Moon, and a third film yet to be announced. Oh, interesting. So one of those cryptic sci-fi uh. bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when Andy and I watched Moon. Yep. <laughs> we actually did, folks. Okay, I wanted to be sure. All right. Yeah, we did. It was funny, because this was a DVD I brought over to, Jesus, I brought over to your place. Yep. And it was the the first, what was it, half hour, 40 minutes? We just kept turning to each other and like, okay, what is, wait, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. It was just, it was, the way it starts out, it's so weird. It's a strange movie, but it's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. You got to focus. Yeah. You've got to concentrate during that movie. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. But it's good. But it pays off in dividends, that yeah. focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a... Yeah, that's that's some probably one of my favorite sci-fi films of the last ten years. When I think about it. Do you think Duncan Jones would have had as much success if he hadn't changed his name? Being from Bowie, from Zoe Bowie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know because I th- I think a lot of people do not realize that connection. I think that's on purpose, though. No, that's what I'm saying. Do you think that helped him? Not not looking as I, I think I think it was. helped him in the same way that Joe Hill uh, helped in in ch- changing his name from well, it makes you from take Joe a, King makes you take it more seriously. Oh, he's not riding on his dad's coattails. Sure, that's exactly it. It's to separate themselves. Yeah. But the thing is that once you read a little bit further than the name, you you learn quickly who they are. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Adam Caesar, it's uh, zero lives remaining. Zero lives remaining. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
That's the book, Adam Caesar's. Uh, Luke Besson, not Adam Caesar, is reportedly in discussions with Netflix for a multi-picture deal. Hmm. According to Variety, citing three independent sources with knowledge of the discussion, Besson, most known as the man behind The Fifth Element, will direct and produce under his Europa Corps company a series of Netflix original films in the $30 million budget range. The talks reportedly began simply as a multi-picture deal, but now include Netflix buying into Europa Corps' film library, estimated up to upwards of $185 million. Hmm. Per the company's website, since launching in 1999, Europa Corps has produced or co-produced over 110 films, distributed some 160 in France, and now boasts a catalog of some 500 titles in French and in English, including Lucy, Hitman, and Valerian. There's also talk... Uh, yeah, Valerian tanked, right? I mean... Yes. That it did, at least so financially. That thing tanked financially, and yet he's still making a deal with Netflix. That speaks to how powerful his uh, mojo is from fifth element well fifth element leon the professional right sure. then nikita he i mean he's got and lucy made money too yeah, yeah yeah so he's got um and yeah i think actually lucy making money probably helps is lucy the one with the drug thing no that's uh scarlett johansson yeah no what's the one what's the one with the drug thing i'm thinking of the drug thing where the tourist she takes some sort of yeah that's scarlett johansson. yeah it is which she takes the drug yeah completely fucking with you Yep. Right. Thank you. <laughs> totally. It's it's too easy. It's way too easy to fuck with me. Boy, today you Low are. Low hanging fruit. You are. <laughs> I got up at five this morning. God damn it. I think it's because I have you in a different sitting spot. Today. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're totally sweaty thrown couch. Off. Yeah, yeah, because you can't. You're not really looking at each other. And looking so. at you right now, you're also just like you're reclined. You are. You're just you. But I'm waiting for the nymph to just drop grapes in your mouth. You're, There's <laughs> nymphs. I need a nymph. <laughs> Uh, there's also talk that Netflix could also be, quote, looking at Europa Corps' assets and possibly be buying a stake in the company. Its recent deal for Mark Miller's Miller World could be a sign of things to come. And with its big franchises of Taxi, Taken, Transporter, along with the rest of Europa Corps' library, there's certainly a lot of upside, although debt is an issue as the company's market valuation has fallen more than 60% since Valerian's unimpressive box office. Yeah. So that, that makes man. it riper for scooping up. Now, I'm... It, it kind of insulates Netflix for the upcoming mm-hmm. purge of movies it's going to get with these other... Yeah, well, yeah, they have to do all that original content, which is, I mean, in many ways, it's exciting. It's like... We're talking thirty million or bigger budget movies just for a streaming service. Yeah. That's fucking not awesome, that's, crazy. Not only that, but if they buy in Europa Core. That's you know, if you include the French films, five hundred movies that they won't lose. Yeah. Hmm. So, I have no idea what the budget for a Netflix show is. I'm going to guess most of them are about ten million and under. Okay. And of course, the series much more than, but. And of course, it depends. I know Bright was probably about in the fifty million range. Mm-hmm. What about like, the uh, Marvel stuff? What do you think that is? Oh, I think the Marvel stuff, uh, the how down to earth the effects are for it. I'd say they're probably in the ten fifty million dollar range. Extremely practical. Yeah, mm-hmm. like one of the most complicated things they did was Iron Hand, Iron Fist's hand, Iron mm-hmm. Hand's fist. I like, I like Iron Hand's fist. Iron Hand's fist. Yeah, Iron Fist's hand and uh, the occasion when they would occasionally do Daredevil's uh, 
you know, world of fire. Sure. Sensory. But otherwise, yeah, it's um it's it's a lot of practical stuff. Yeah, a lot a lot of just you know, fighting stunt work when it comes down to it. Getting on wires and flying in the walls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. <laughs> The Cloverfield universe continues its quiet creep. There's a universe? Dude. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever see Buddy. Cloverfield Lane? No, I have not yet. That's a must Oof, watch. That's an Andy Kirsten got to do. Yes, mm-hmm. that is. That was a film that impressed the holy hell out of me. Ooh, holy hell impression, Andy. It was one of those things where you know what it is for the first half and the second half. Whoops. Whoa. <laughs> this happened. All right. Very cool. Uh, the third installment in the franchise, still called God Particle, is coming out April 20th. And today there's word that a fourth chapter in the series has already finished shooting. According to Slash Film, the previously announced Overlord, which we've actually talked about, is actually a stealth Cloverfield film. The supernatural World War II thriller had been ramping up since early last year, but Slash Film's sources are now confirming its connection to the ever-expanding cinematic universe that began with the nameless J.J. Abrams film back in 2008. Uh, directed by Julius Avery, who did Son of a Gun, and produced by Bad Robot, Overlord takes place on the eve of D-Day, when American paratroopers come across supernatural forces that are the result of Nazi experiments. Ooh. Though highly irregular, Overlord turning out to be a Cloverfield 4 is... Par for the course. At this point, nobody initially knew that the first continuation, 10 Cloverfield Lane, was connected to the previous film until the title was revealed. And God Particle, a.k.a. Cloverfield Station, has gone through the same process along the way. But the secrecy that these movies thrive upon only seems to intrigue the audiences all the more. Wow. It, it's really too bad that uh, in this modern age, they can't be so secret you yeah. actually release the movie. Because it would wouldn't it be fun to be sitting there watching a movie and like a half hour into it go oh shit this is a Cloverfield movie right but you're never gonna get that so and even Ten Cloverfield Lane I was even though I knew it was a Cloverfield Universe film the second half really surprised me well then I think then there is their key to the 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 surprise value is okay this is a Cloverfield movie. What are they going to do? And so far, it's interesting because it gets really different. What little I've heard about God Particle is like, it's really, it's weird. It's out there, and it's different. And they're they're making these movies on small enough budgets that it doesn't have to do that well to be successful. So that's even more exciting. And so you don't get studio interference. You don't get sequelitis. No, no, we need more of the original in it. Um, Take the original and ramp it to 11, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So uh, uh, an article that came out last week on Cheat Sheet lists the uh, top 10 most expensive uh, Netflix uh, productions. Yes. Eight through ten is uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. Oh yes, forty million each. Forty million. Four million each season. What's the most expensive? The Crown, I think. Uh, really, the uh, that's the Victorian age one, right? Crown, one hundred and thirty million per season. Wow. I, I mean, I, I I guess I can see it with its you know being so stuck to that moment in history and yep. making it look sure. that way. So, what was the other one? Uh, you want the list? Okay, so, no, uh, I, we already said the Marvel ones. Eight through ten. Uh, yeah. um, 
Hemlock Grove, $40 million a season. Really? Orange is the New Black, $50 million a season. House of Cards, $60 million a season. Marco Polo, $90 million a season. Sense8, $108 million a season. The Get Down, $120 million a season. I can see and then, then it goes to The Crown. I can see why they canceled Get Down then. Yeah, yeah The Get Down... <laughs> That that was a hugely expensive uh, set dressing artistic mm-hmm. direction movie because they actually had to period pieces aren't yeah, cheap yeah and and even though it's the seventies the Bronx was different yeah back then it was really funny because it's like I had friends who were watching the Get Down who are not of that decade. And so they're like, that was just crazy because there are areas that look like war zones. And it's like, it was really, yeah. really economically depressed. And that's one real cool thing with Netflix is that even if the series doesn't take off, so far it doesn't seem like it's one of those things they pull away. Once it's available, it's always available yeah. because mm-hmm. they need content. Mm-hmm. So And they've paid for it, so why take it away? Sure. Yeah. So it's not one of those things like it doesn't do well. It doesn't. You don't see it. It doesn't get a DVD release, right? You know, or the shitty one or whatever till years later. So at least we have that with Netflix. The comic book fantasy series Birthright, produced by Image Comics, is being adapted for the big screen. Uh, Cinco Paul and Ken Duario, the writers of the Despicable Me movies, are set to join forces with Robert Kirkman, uh, the Walking Dead fame and Kirkman's own Skybound Entertainment to adapt the epic. The film will be housed at Universal due to Skybound's first-look deal with the studio. Written by Joshua Williamson with art by Andre Bresson, Birthright tells the story of the Rhodes family and what happens when their young son vanishes. A grown man approaches them a year later and claims to be their son, spinning a tale of having been on another world. The Rhodes family ultimately joined together with this man on a mythical quest to figure out exactly what happened. This is the third film project to find itself at Universal because of their deal with Skybound. Invincible, another Kirkman creation, is being adapted there too, as well as the comic Kill the Minotaur, which we discussed a couple months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Invincible will be really interesting. Yeah. I've, I still haven't read it, but what I've seen of the comics. Oh, I've read like the first eight or nine trades. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's about the son, son of a superhero, right? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's essentially like a son of Superman. Superman isn't all that you think he is. And the son actually has to, in many ways, it's, it's sort of like, it's a little older than Superboy, but it's before, you know, before Superman's age. So, um, and you know me, I'm kind of burnt out on the whole coming of age thing. So it sounds right up my alley. Yeah. That's, it's actually, it's actually pretty well made and well, you should have access to it. I actually think I do. Yeah. So, you know, take a look because it, it gets, it gets interesting. Yeah. The 2016 movie, your name, that's the name of it. I don't remember this. Your name is the world's highest grossing anime. What? At $355 million, displacing uh, Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away. Wow. Which earned $289 million. It received multiple awards and critical acclaim, and now it's about to receive the live-action American makeover by J.J. Abrams. 
Abrams and Bad Robots' Lindsay Weber will be producing Your Name along with, it feels so weird saying that. Yeah, yeah this, part of the idea. Yeah. It's very, very, very anime in that with yeah. some of those names. Oh, that's an interesting concept. Okay. Along with the film's original producer, Genki Kar- uh, Karamura, the screenplay will be written by Eric Hesserer, who won the Oscar for Best Screenplay for Arrival. Your name is the tale of a boy and a girl who suddenly swap bodies. They begin to inhabit each other's lives without knowing much about each other, including their names. But there's more to the story than a humorous body-swapping antics. As Variety notes, quote, they become desperate to cross space and time to find a way to meet and stop an appending disaster, unquote. The anime version of Your Name has a limited U.S. release in April. So All it's right. coming up if you want to see so, the original. So we can see it maybe if we're lucky in Vegas at... Uh, yeah, there'll be one yeah. night Village showing Square, for Fathom Events. Town Square. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that little place on 3rd Street. So you pay attention to this story in Vegas like on a weekly basis if you want Eclipse. to find it. Eclipse Theater. Yeah, the minute you said that, I, it went right out of my head. It took me a minute to process that eclipse theater where's where's that one third street okay it's it's really tiny it's tiny you know, art house theater downtown it's tiny but built built for purpose very fancy and if they've stuck to their guns on it they do not allow children after dark really is like it? after seven o'clock it's all adults you can like don't have to worry about kids crying in your movie is that the theater that's just a block away from millennium fandom bar yeah okay. yeah 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 because i passed that for mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm uh, when I went to the reunion of Star Trek the oh, Experience, okay. I'm like, when did the movie theater pop up over here? So we didn't, didn't, wasn't it run for a while by somebody we knew or you something new? Uh, crap. It may have been, but I yeah. have forgotten. All right. Well, it's nice to know that it's a, it's a specialty theater. Yeah. Because I'm like, is yeah. this just another Very one? Much. I didn't know anything about it. I was looking for a parking space. I had time to stop and look. All right. Next story. It's getting that time in the show, folks. Right. Oh, boy. Woo-hoo. I was I was gonna say you made it through a lot of names. Pretty, I mean, you barely stumbled over anything yet. So, yay me! It is time. Time for me to spill some of that, isn't it? You stay away from your coke. <laughs> <laughs> Director Mike Flanagan has become a force to be reckoned with in the horror genre, as he'll be following "Before I Wake," Ouija, "Origin of Origin of Evil," and the Stephen King adaptation of Gerald's Game with Doctor Sleep. Ooh. Uh, which Warner Brothers has just fast-tracked. This newly announced adaptation of Stephen King's The Shining's sequel looks to bank on the author's renewed power at the box office. Dr. Sleep follows Jack Torrance's semi-psychic kid Danny, and that he's aged into his 40s, oh, right. and sees the younger Torrance echo the older with the, old, with the drinking, the anger, and the refusal to face reality. Mm-hmm. However, his shine which helped him save him at the Overlook Hotel, also begins to connect him with others of the same abilities, some of whom are torturing and killing the others. Oh, cute. So, Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. Give me the, the list of movies you always had there, the second one. All right, so we uh, Mike Flanagan did Before I Wake, right. uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Okay, that was the one he said. I would you I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Is it Ouija, like the Ouija yeah. board? Okay. And uh, Gerald's Game, okay. which I think you understood. Yeah, yeah. I understood that. Oh well, I take I nothing for playing, granted. What the fuck is the point? I was playing like, like words with friends. Okay, and a pop up ad came up, and it's a woman in a skin tight outfit, and it says, "Release her or torture her." I'm like, uh, "What so, the I'm sorry? fuck?" 
I tried to take a screenshot. I couldn't get it. It's like, I don't even know what the game was. I'm like, but why is this popping up words with friends? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not sure that that reels me in. No, it certainly <laughs> frightened me. I'm yeah. Like, Free her or torture her. Mm. Might have been Mafia Wars or something like that. Maybe it was a, <laughs> maybe it was a PETA ad. Could have been. That sounds like a, that sounds like a PETA thing. Oh my god! I was playing Candy Crush and Fuck Mary Kill. I didn't even know that was a game. That just popped up. It was weird. <laughs> Wasn't Candy Crush, Andy? It was release her, her or torture her. Mm. Oh, I can't get them confused. I've been playing it for years. Yeah. Man. Fans of the Jurassic Park franchise can now all have the fun without any of the danger in Jurassic World Live. A brand new live action arena show that puts you face to face with life size dinos. Oh, those include the T-Rex, Velociraptor Blue and more extinct critters, all of whom will be resurrected thanks to the magic of special effects and some state of the art physical stunts. That's cool. A Jurassic World Live tour is scheduled to head to arenas in 2019, though no exact dates or stops have been announced yet. With the mega box office success of 2015's Jurassic World, the fourth highest grossing film of all time, (laughs) I might add, uh, no doubt there will be demand. In the meantime, while we wait for the live experience, of course, the next Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom comes out on June 22nd. Oh, wow. Is it done by the same people that the Dinosaur Live one with the? Uh, I was wondering the same thing. I haven't, I haven't seen anything that connects the two. Because they've already got the costumes. I mean, they really would just have to reskin it a little bit and write a new story. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, but uh, oh, that'd be cool to see Raptors on motorcycles doing stunts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes in the the sphere of doom. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when they were doing that on Fremont Street for a while? The Wheel of Doom? The, the Sphere of Doom. They had. They were doing that in Fremont Street for a while. Where are they? Where you is know that located? What? Wait a minute. I have a vague memory of yeah. this. Somebody posted like a video or something. Might have been me. Probably was you. How, how long ago? Five or six years ago, maybe. Okay. And then where on the strip were they doing this? On Fremont, Fremont Street. Fremont on Street. Fremont Street. In the experience. Fremont Street experience. Is that the, the larger name for just Fremont Street? The Fremont Street Experience is the corporation and the five blocks that have the, uh, the roof canopy, over them, the canopy over them. You know? Fremont Street. Yes, oh, but it's the Fremont Street Experience. <laughs> they, actually, the, 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 for a while, they were calling everything experience, including Star Trek the experience. Imagine what? That. What? Yeah. Imagine that. So, all, so you went, all those opened about the same time, all those experiences. So you went to Axe Throwing the Experience? Was that what it was called? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, it was... Axe hole, the experience. (laughs) (laughs) And Andy had a few axe holes. Mm. My favorite one is Beef Jerky, the experience. That Mm -hmm. was my favorite place downtown. Still is. It's still there. It's in the alley. It's glorious. It's in the alley. (laughs) Right next to Happy Ending, the experience. (laughs) (laughs) But nowhere near Sad Ending, the experience, which is further down the alley. (laughs) That's that's way past the El Cortez. Yeah, on top of everything else, it's a long walk. Don't go past the shoe. Oh shit! I'm not about to told that story. <laughs> I was walk. I was walking downtown. With that was an, a cryptic <laughs> sentence. I was walking downtown with an with an editor, and we were going to go check out some place that was on Sixth or Seventh Street. So we're walking down Fremont Street, and this homeless guy looks in and says, "Walking by," and we're dressed in our you know relatively good clothes. Walking. This is 
a few years ago before they really gentrified there, before Tony Shea came in. Okay. And uh homeless guy looks and goes, Oh no, don't go past the shoe talking about the 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 neon shoe, the the light bulb laden shoe from the silver slipper the okay. of the road. Don't go past the shoe, man. It gets dangerous past that. Oh wow. Don't go past the shoe. Well, at, at the time, I can get behind that, actually. Yeah. You know, and here I just imagine like an old leather shoe yeah, on the sidewalk. No. Yeah, just a John Bender sneaker just sitting and right Some there. homeless kid telling Andy, don't go beyond the shoe. Don't go past the shoe. <laughs> Man. Marvel Entertainment and Conan Properties International announced that a new Conan series will drop in January of 2019. And will upset Kay. Probably. Robert E. Howard's charismatic Sumerian was first born in central Texas town of Cross Plains with a rousing legacy of pulp stories, starting with The Phoenix on the Sword in December 1932, issue of Weird Tales. Some of the most authentic, faithful adaptations of those original Conan tales were published under the Marvel Comics banner. The adventures began in titles like the premier flagship series Conan the Barbarian, the adult-oriented comic Black and White magazine Savage Tales, and the Savage Sword of Conan. Roy Thomas and uh, Robert E. No, Robert, Roy Thomas and... Oh, Barry Windsor Smith. Barry Windsor Barry Smith, Windsor Windsor Smith started Smith. off, then John Buscema yeah. became the, 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 the long-running King artist. Mm-hmm. For three decades, launching in 1970, Marvel delivered more than 650 Conan-centric issues. After a decline in the popularity in the late 1990s, Dark Horse Comics acquired the licensing rights to Conan in 2003 and published barbaric stories in the multitude until the, of the series until 2017. Now Conan is coming back to Marvel after two decades, starting in 2019. Yeah, cool. the, the Dark Horse uh, uh, series was... Pretty cool. That that was the one that started off with uh, Kurt Busiek, uh, Andy, and I showed you uh, Carrie Nord. A guy was one of the first to not do any inks. He went. He took his pencils oh, yeah. and they went right to a computer coloring mm-hmm. and stuff for his art. And uh, then Tim Truman was writing for a while. When, when was that? God, that was that was me talking it to you in your old house okay that's how long ago that's right. how Andy right. and I that's, measure stuff wow that's four or five years doesn't ago. help the rest of us but all right <laughs> four or five years ago at least oh yeah actually even more than yeah. that because um uh Phil folio girl genius does that has, has done that for quite a while too. oh yeah no it's 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 now become a regular yeah. thing but uh, I don't think Nord was a pioneer in terms of no one else had done it, but mm-hmm. as a regular comic, um, it was a specific choice he made that I think was was new at the time. All right. Um, the other cool thing was that Dark Horse had hammered out, Dark Horse and CPI, Conan Properties International, uh-huh. had hammered out a deal to reprint Marvel uh, Conans, and they actually did color trade paperback collections of the original Conan the Barbarian. Oh, wow. And it's really cool because it's Dark Horse, so they do these reprints and, like, the cover page and the, the covers will not have the Marvel Indicia on it at all. So it's it's, it's, it's like these curiously blank comic covers. Now, were they, with the, with the Savage Sword, the, the magazines, were they more adult-oriented? Kind of, sort of. That the, the the black and whites part of the job uh, back then was to dodge the uh, the the CCA. Right, because because the magazines in the seventies and eighties, you'd have creepy and eerie and all those stuff that were just full of gore and boobies. 
and uh, you, you couldn't have that in comics, obviously. For some reason, by making it magazine size and black and white, you got around the Comic Code Authority. Because the Comic Code Authority didn't deal with that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And, and you know, it, in terms of gore, I don't think it was any worse. But in uh, there, occasionally there were boobies. There weren't a lot. I'm glad I said uh, boobies. Boobies. It's, boobies. It's a good, good word to slip in every now and then. Yeah, yeah. It's I good to slip in boobies every now and then. I love boobies but anyway um so that whole that whole time when dark horse had it was interesting and then they started getting they got really crazy started doing more and more experimental type stuff and different approaches to conan and like different art styles or like cowboys and aliens different art styles um and and deconstruction interpretations there's one uh artist um i forget the name um who uh, did what some people refer to as bondage Conan, because bon- Conan's costuming is actually rather S and Emmy. Oh, it is. So, so it's actually kind of funny. It'll be interesting to see where they go with Marvel. If they're going to start all over again, are they going you know, to? And we try to retell the original stories, or if they're right. going to go to new places. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, I'm, man, it's been so long since I. I know I read the comics before I read the actual short stories. And I'm trying to remember how faithful the comics were to the short stories. So some of them, they the they quite often were. Roy Thomas actually was a, I thought was a very good steward of Howard and Conan's legacy when he was writing. Mm-hmm. So and I mean Red Sonia is uh, actually a character from a Conan, a non-Conan Robert E. Howard historical novel that took on a life of her own and I thought was the shadow of the vulture which is the adaption that she first appeared in was actually a very good taking of a non-conan story and converting it into a conan hmm. so overall a lot of um, a lot of their adapted stories were really good I just remember my dad bought me conan number one off the newsstand Ooh, I think we're only, we're in some weird, we're like in New York City or someplace strange, and he's like, "Hey, want to buy a comic?" And he bought me that off the newsstand. Oh, New dude. York City or someplace strange? Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't was it wasn't like it wasn't Sullivan's Pharmacy where I used to get all my comics. It was it was uh, someplace yeah. strange. Uh, yeah, sure, dude. And it was just like Conan number one, mm-hmm. Barry Windsor Smith art. Yep, I, I'm sure I destroyed it. I'm sure I read it to death. Oh yeah, I did that to all my comics as a kid. Too. As you're supposed to as a kid. Well, I guess it kind of heartbreaks now. I've got, I've got long boxes full of comics with no covers, because a good reader. You mm-hmm. you read them to fucking yes death. I'll have to take a look at my copy of uh, of uh, X Men One Thirty Seven. I'm sure I read that a ton of times, but I don't remember being. I remember being really careful with that one. That's the Death of Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Seventy four. That makes sense. Okay. This next story will probably be the last story, uh, but I'm very excited about it. This this is going to get me back to England. Oh, 70. Ooh. A new wooden mega coaster is being erected in England themed after the Wicker Man legend. Oh, good Lord. Ah, yes. Come on. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Alton Towers Resort Amusement Park in the UK will open the attraction this spring, which will be the first wooden coaster built on British soil in over 21 years. Blueprints for the Wicked Beast includes a giant pagan wicker man structure standing 60 feet tall as the centerpiece of the wild wood and flame ride. 
based in Celtic mythology. Wait, wood and flame yes. ride? Yes, there's going to be fire in the Wicker Man. Nice. The, See, uh, we need to get those flame for us. We really need to get those Elon <laughs> flamethrowers. What? The, the Elon Musk flamethrowers? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He got really excited <laughs> he when he started saying it. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah it's funny, too, because I'm thinking England, it's not like that thing will ever burn down. It, too yeah. rainy. Oh, yeah. That wood will be all rain-soaked all the time. Absolutely. Where, where in England? In fact, it has to worry about swelling, for God's yeah. sake. Uh, Alton Towers. It's the, it's the amusement park has been there for ages. Okay. Uh, based in Celtic mythology, the Wicker Man was a massive wicker structure used by priests for pagan ritual sacrifice purposes. A 1973 cult horror film, The Wicker Man, was directed by Robin Hardy, started Edward Woodard and Christopher Lee. Very fun film. Designers and engineers have added some fire effects as the Wicker Man appears to ignite into raging flames while the coaster train races three times through its incendiary effigy. Yes, please. Yes, Yes, please. Wow. What's your Wicker Man coaster? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. Commander K. Fact check, Dandy. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. What other weird themes would be great for coasters? Mm. I mean, mm. I mean, everything's on the table Well, the now. Incredibles would be great. That's coming. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> But one one that isn't there. I mean, all the DC properties. Marvel's got some, of course. Ernest goes to the roller coaster. That could be really annoying. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not what I'm looking for. Namor, the Submariner. It's underwater. Ooh, yes, yeah, yes. Now we're talking. So we definitely have to go to the underwater. Like a tube, like the one at, uh, like the uh, pool over at the Golden uh, Golden Nugget. The Golden <laughs> Nugget Casino. I yeah. know the Nugget Casino, but what about the pool? Oh, you mean the the there's the, a the slide through the shark tank? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it'd be like that with the roller coaster going through the shark tank. Sure. I, I, there's a I don't know the name of the theme park in Japan. There is a coaster that goes into a lake, uh-huh. and it j- just it does a splash effect, and then it just disappears. Yeah. From nice. view of everybody else, so it just looks like this thing just splashes into the water and that's ends. That's great. So that's that's what I want for the name. Yeah, of the that's what I was thinking. Is like a sealed tube that's just underwater. <sighs> oh, come on, you know. Yeah. Once, once they perfect the technology, they could just have it just flying around underwater. These days, they probably would just put a whole bunch of screens around it and fake it. I know, but yeah. that's not the fun. <gasps> I know. Or better yet, you get one of those like those Superman coasters where you're lying flat ah. and you're hanging suspended mm. and you're wearing scuba gear. <laughs> And then it's just Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger roller coaster. See, I was was thinking the same thing, but I can't think of how to do it. You just keep coming around the corners and it'd be death traps right in your face and then you turn right before you hit it. I think the first part is awake outdoors and then it goes to an indoor part mm-hmm. full of dark ride elements mm-hmm. uh, a la the uh, mummy coaster at universal mm-hmm. so and where things are you go through up the upside down rooms and yeah. gigantic freddy claws although, although freddy it, it has to be a wooden coaster it does have to you be you know freddy can't no you want jason for the steel coaster maybe but you know like you know what i almost feel the opposite Really? I almost feel Jason should have a wood I kind of feel there might be a Jason coaster. I, don't, I thought, I I thought almost, there was. I don't think there is. Oh. But go look for all the same because yeah, if there is, my jarring. life is completely incomplete. Yeah. Completely incomplete. Completely incomplete. Well, you've sort of achieved something. <laughs> Last Starfighter, the roller coaster. There you go. Yeah. 
what is just not impressive the action wise is, oh, is that what you're ow, <laughs> boom you know what'd be funny is if you did a roller coaster equivalent of last starfighter so instead of being a video game player it's like the roller coaster enthusiast who can take the most g-forces oh wow or something has to be the guy who saves the galaxy Wow. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this. They are adding a VR elements to the roller coaster at New York, New York. Are they? Yes. At VR. They, nice. they, in fact, they've just implemented it. I think they were offering it to employees to test it out. Always a fun thing. Mm. Uh, on the 22nd and the 24th of this last month. Jesus. So you put on, you put on goggles and ride it? Yes. Interesting. So you That's a good coaster anyway. So it you, it's... Uh, really? Um, Interesting. My my thoughts on it, it started out as a really good coaster and it had a really cool element in the middle of it, but it's become very shaky and jarring over time. Oh, I haven't been on it in years. It's, yeah. it's getting, it needs to be tightened up. Yes, it does. Okay. It's, unless they've done it in this new, which I doubt they have, but it's it's one of those coasters when you're done, you kind of feel it in your body. Okay. So I don't know if I recommend oh, yeah. it. yeah. But then again, I really want to ride a coaster with VR elements. VR coaster. Is, are, mm-hmm. are they doing that? Has anyone done that yet? Like in, like an actual just VR coaster? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. They're available everywhere on your home VR system. No, no, no. I'm sorry. A roller coaster with a VR element. You, uh, you wear goggles on a Yeah, coaster. they have been developed already. I know Cedar Point has one. Uh, so there's a few of them out there. This is Vegas trying to get on board that train. Okay. And, but what a way to experience VR. Yeah. Because it would take you out of your home elements. And I'm sure they have alternate versions. I'm sure you can do the non-VR version well, there's, or VR. There's a bunch of DC-themed roller coasters in the theme park near my dad's house. Uh, Six Flags Over New England. Yes. Um, and those would be amazing with a VR. You could put a DC superheroes and supervillains jumping around the cars and stuff while yeah, you're on it. You can do incredibly goofy yeah. shit. The only thing is with the one here in New York, New York, in Vegas is that I'd be afraid to look around because as jarring as that coaster is, I'm afraid I would hurt my neck badly wow. if I looking in the wrong direction during a wrong move. I kind of need to go on that ride again and see what it's like. It's like it's, it's in years. Yes, you do. Yeah. yeah. Field work, Andy. Yeah. Sure. You know what? I'll go with you. Okay. Geek shock yeah. on the field. And I'll yeah, watch give me, you Give me too. a couple of weeks. My finances are... Uh, a little in the hole for for okay. you know, frivolous things like roller coasters. Absolutely, I, I got to take it. You know, I got to be careful too. So I get it. Mm-hmm. Boy, this this ending really kind of went for a while. Well, yeah, it did. Don't don't they usually? Yeah. They, they do, but and now I just want to. You're think saying about it had its ups and downs. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm purposely ignoring that comment. Well, sure here, you are. How, how about how about I I end it? I'll kill it right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl next weekend. God damn it. Sports, 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 sports. Up.